Cause honey, who needs the static? It hurts the head And you wind up cracking And the day goes dismal From breakfast party to the sign of prayer What a sorry face you get to wear I'm gonna tell you again now If you're still listening there If you're driving into town With the dark love above you Dialing the number who's bound to love you If you're lying on the beach With the transistor going Kick off the sand flies Honey, the love's still flowing If your head says forget it But your heart's still smoking Call me at the station The lights are open Yeah, that's um, that's Joni Mitchell. That is, uh, um, you turn me on, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's got like some radio themes in there, which is good. Hey, this is Bug. This is Bug House Squares. This is uh, Mutiny Radio, corner twenty first of Florida, in the beautiful Mission, where it's always flat and sometimes sunny. Not there right now. I'm uh, holding it up, holding up in uh, in the house, and uh, I don't know. I've been. I've been getting out probably more than I, I uh, ought to, but um, I, um, I'm i still able to work, so I'm doing that. But then I'm, you know, I'm going to the store every now and again. I try to gear up, you know. Uh, I keep my, uh, I've got a, an old mask <laughs> and some gloves. Um, So you got to remember, but you got to remember like to, you know, it's like if you take the glo- come back and take the gloves off and then you, you, know, you put the gloves in your pocket and then you're, <laughs> It's just, uh, yeah. So, um, there's a there's a whole new thing to this um, uh, 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 sterility business. So, um, we're working on it. Everything is seems to be uh, so far so good here. Um, I did get I, I, I work part time for a um, a uh, organization, and um, I got my walking papers uh, last week, which was. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, it, 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 um, man, it, it, it was, uh, it's a, uh, a real eerie feeling, um, when you get something like, like laid off, but, you know, for me, thank God I've got, you know, other work I can do, but I still got that pang, you know, so I can only imagine, uh, those of you who are completely cut off from, uh, your jobs, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know how you do it. But hey, you got that twelve hundred dollars coming in any minute now. Take care of everything, everything. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. People are doing some uh, interesting things to to cope. Uh, some people are doing some not so much. <laughs> I prefer watching TV personally. Um, uh, watched a movie and uh, forced uh, others to watch it with me. Um, I think it was called the creep, the creeping town or something. It was like, like a early sixties, like super low budge sci-fi. Um, and it had just had this, you know, a real, the uh, creature from outer space, of course, was, um, uh, 
it was quite a work of art actually and it would just consume people <laughs> like whole and they made a point of uh of showing that it was like a complete you know um um consumption of the of it without chewing it was just like whoop, into the hole but it was um it was entertaining it was uh, uh um it was nice it was nice to be able to watch something and still be able to talk during it and uh and laugh at it and comment about it um so um yeah try that <laughs> there's all kinds of crazy shit on youtube um but yeah i i um my kids still going to school it just says hey you know, i'm out and then the door closes and he comes out you know some hours later i'm assuming there's uh learning going on in there um uh yeah so um we're trying to do what we got to do and uh, i'm glad and i hope you're doing the same um hey <laughs> just on the outside chance you might have like some uh extra dough or like are looking for uh places to to give uh money uh for people who are um hurting um the radio station is having a hell of a time now it's even worse than usual um so if you come through the website and uh, you see the GoFundMe there, um, please kick in a few bucks if you're able to. If you have, that's, you know, fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. I don't know. We're, uh, we've got another at least, I think at least four weeks of uh, whatever they call this, uh, social distancing into the uh, full effect. And um, it seems to be doing some good. I mean not getting like well shit it's all bad news but um well it's not all bad news it seems like things are kind of stabilizing around here maybe um we yeah i just you know we're just doing what we can and and crossing our fingers and trying to eat good and and uh um stay out of trouble um let me grab these records hold on right there um so that was Joni Mitchell um you turn me on that's from the blue record no not blue it's uh it's from the uh, for the roses I'm sorry uh before that we had the roaches the roaches uh backed by uh King Crimson <laughs> that's like I like that they're uh it's like Robert Fripp and Tony Levin and Bill Bruford on there that's crazy <laughs> Uh, before that, um, uh, Aretha Franklin, we did uh, say a little prayer for you, just trying to, you know, just keep it positive. Before that was uh, The Stones Painted Black. Oh, yeah. Um, and before that was War, uh, Six Cisco Kid. And then we had uh, XTC doing uh, Super Tough from their second record, I believe. From the live... Um, waiting for Columbus record, Little Feet. We did uh, Spanish Moon. Just a funky, good funky tune. Had the association in there, Along Comes Mary. That's a swinging number. Dig the hand claps. Lou Reed, Rock and Roll Animal. That's a live Lou Reed record. And uh, we did the, the um, Sweet Jane with the big long intro on there. I love that. Uh, that's a good it's a good thing to digest. That's a really good live kind of greasy thing there. 
Um, we had Bill Withers in there. Um, uh, Bill Withers has passed on to a higher dimension. Uh, we thank him for all that he had given us in this one. And uh, that was a live version of uh, Use Me Up. I want to thank uh, uh, my real friend and soul sister, Barbara, for giving me her uh, record collection when she moved. Um, sometimes they're a burden to, to folks because they're, they're so heavy. <laughs> and when you're moving, it's like um, somehow like weight just like comes into play. And at some point, it's just like, oh, take these. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Um, we had from uh, the Machine Head record, Deep Purple, doing uh, um, Highway Star, I think we did. Um, and I wanted to play that because uh, we opened up with um, Jesus Christ Superstar, a couple of songs off that we did. Uh, um, we started off with uh, Everything's Gonna Be Alright, something like that. Um, and... Uh, the Temple, we did that as well, and that's uh, actually uh, Ian Gilliam is the uh, singer on that, and he also sang with uh, Deep Purple, he did, and um, so um, that's a really good record, that's uh, um, um, something that should be listened to in its entirety, really, even if you aren't uh, Christian, you know, but if you are, ooh, yeah, um, Let's see. Oh, there's a segment we do here. It's called Rise from the Basement because it's no lie in the basement. We're miles apart. No surprise. going to rise from the basement. What it is, it's home record. It's any style, any genre. Just has to be recorded where you live, where you sleep. So people send me links to where their music is. And um, I think in this time, people are doing a lot of, a lot of home recording. And uh, let's see. Oh, I done talked this thing out. Hold on. I'm going to move this over. I'm tapping that one more time. It's going to ask me for my secret coach. Don't turn to divert your gaze. All right, we're on. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to go back and tell you a little bit about who this is. This is uh, Bomb Erotica. Bomb Erotica. They are out of um, Cincinnati. Uh, uh, she is a multi-instrumentalist from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I make maximalist shoegaze. Oh, that's my favorite. Um, let's see. So this is fresh. This is so fresh that it's, um, it says, oh, eight days. Bomb Erotica, Dreaming of a Blizzard is the name of this record. And um, I think we'll just do side one, cut one, right? Memories of a CD warehouse. Um, hold on, I got to make sure all these knobs are positioned. Let's try that. So I'm touching this. This is Bomb Erotica. Memories of a CD warehouse. Memories of CD warehouse.
Yeah, that's Four Way Cross. Um, yeah, I had one of their records from years ago, and then um, I, I didn't know too much about this band, but I also knew them. They were from L.A., kind of a, um, I don't know, industrial uh, um, yeah, ambient kind of thing. But then they had uh, like shorter songs and stuff like that. So I f- found this record, and I bought it. And it was uh, Side One, Cut One. Uh, Climate and Weather was the name of that one. We're going back to the basement. This is Persuasive Eraser. Um, let me go back and see if I can find out anything about them. Um, record, recorded all at his house in, in uh, Chicago. And uh, it's in Illinois. Uh, this is CZ4. We're going to play this one. We got that up. Touching this. Um, the pause button with the dots is good. Always a good sign. CZ4. Persuasive Eraser.
Yeah, that's uh, David Bowie, 1984, from the uh, Diamond Dogs record. Um, we're going back to the basement. Ooh, I like this guy. This is the old Overlook. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know what it means, but it cracks me up. Overholt. Old Overholt. Uh, O-V-E-R-H-O-L-T, out of Portland. And um, this record's called Don't Work. And we're going to do a uh, uh, participant. Let's see, we got that. I'm touching this. Circular dots are circulating as they would, considering my request. Here we go, perhaps. Yes. That's what they call her. Walking down 82nd with, with the clothes on. I was watching from McDonald's thinking I might write this song. She's a weeping and a wailing, breaking and a failing, screaming and a railing. No, she knows it's hailing. She's a participant. 
That's what they call them, participant. That's what they call them. She's a participant. And isn't it the truth? No one can handle the melting of our youth. She's a participant. I'm happy. 
Yeah, that's uh, Sly and the Family Stone, Everyday People. We're going back to the basement. Got a bunch to get to here, so I'm kind of... Shouldn't be talking right now. Um, this is Libra Enigma. Let me tell you a little bit about Libra Enigma. Um, you can find her on SoundCloud. Um, I can't even tell you. There's no bio here. Hold on, I'm going back to this. Um, find your post. She's from Cincinnati. Uh, and then we're going to do um, Drinking Demons, man. Drinking Demons. And I touch that. Pause button with the lines. This is Libra Enigma. Doing some thinking about the nature of the universe. I found out things are getting better, it's just people that are getting worse. Well, ain't that just like living? Just like family strife. Ain't that just like living? Whatever happened to real life? I've been sitting around thinking about ultimate knowledge and such. Smartest man in the whole round world really don't know that much. Well, ain't that just like living? Blame it on your wife. Ain't that just like living? Whatever happened to real life? 
been doing some thinking about the future of the human race. If people don't stop killing people, it's gonna be a hopeless case. Well, ain't that just like living, just like tall and stride? Ain't that just like living, whatever happened to real life? Whatever happened to real life? Yeah, it's Mozad, Allison, uh, whatever. No, that can't be it. It's um, uh, uh, just like living. That's what that's what that was. Going back to the basement. Other essences by Flattery, F L A double T E R Y. Um, you can see them. They're out of Philadelphia. Um. Pennsylvania, and um, this is called No Way Out. I'm touching that. The dots are circulating. Dig this. It's on Bandcamp. Flattery. Yeah, the pause. <laughs>
Yeah, it's the Three Johns, uh, English white boy, engineer. We're going back to the basement. This is Adventure Roads, uh, (laughs) R-R-H-O-D-E-S, that kind of roads. Uh, This is called, uh, what are we going to do here? Let's do Psalms 96.5. It's unmixed. Uh, If you dig this, look for adventureroads.com. I'm touching that, and uh, I'm hoping something happens. Um, You know, you never know. I may have to touch it again. Um, Yeah, I'm touching it again.
Hey, this has been Bug Out Square. Thanks for doing what you got to do to do. I uh, hope you can uh, stay sane in these uh, uh, crazy times. Um, help those around you uh, if they happen to be living with you. <laughs> reach out to those you can't. All right. Talk to you next week. Oh, yeah, and have a good Easter and a happy one. <laughs> if that's something you're into. Try to make it a good day anyway, you know? It's all meant to be positive in the beginning.
wrote this song. My turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of français, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie on you. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie with Mike Spiegelman on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And I got to tell you, it's Lawathla Mott. 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 Right. I don't, I'm really bad at pronouncing, pronouncing words, so there. it's Lawathla <laughs> Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are very excited. We uh, watch a full-length movie with you, uh, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That is our podcast name feed and our Twitter handle and our YouTube channel. And we are always heard first on MutinyRadio.fm every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Why don't you go to Venmo, send money to at Mutiny Radio, make uh, Pam Benjamin, our station manager, happy. Uh, and us happy. That's our only advertisement. What movie are we watching today? Uh, today, we are actually watching a quality movie. It is called Death Proof 2007. It's Quentin Tarantino. So you put in Death ah. Space Proof 2007 in your YouTube search engine. We like the channel I... No, it's L-O-M-I-N-E-F-E. Lom in... Yeah. L-O-M-I-N-E-F-E. Click on that link, press pause, slide it back to zero, 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 and buffer. Death proof, 2000. Okay, we have a special countdown uh, from the Countdown King himself, who is not here with us, so we have his replacement, a robot. Will you please give it up for the Paul Brumbot? Bru uh, yeah, not a robot, a Brumbot. Another day in the hood. Here we go, folks. You know the drill. Get your finger over that little triangle, and in three... Two, one, go. This this uh, opening I, I love. Uh, fuck the Roaring Lion. This is really cool because here's a Dimension film straight out of the 90s. Yes. And Dimension used to do shitty movies in the 70s. Here we go. Best music ever. Well, Dimension Pictures was in the 70s, and Dimension Films is today. And they're not connected except for the name Dimension. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that, that the dimension of the 90s. Now, this is cool, this little cartoon. Except for the good. It doesn't look like a shitty movie at all. I just wanted to dimension you... this. Yeah. Sorry, I, I have dementia. Did you uh, ever see a movie intro like this before where a, it's different lions showing different types of movies? Like, you know, Panther's Restricted Lion? No. Uh... Listen, I got to tell you, the first time I ever bumped into this movie ever was you telling me about it, but huh. I thought it was legit. Okay, now the original, the original title comes up for two seconds. Oh, first one, Pete. Yeah. Fuck you, Tarantino, you foot fetish. God damn it. They are cute, though. They look like little candies. No, Mike, don't resist. Here you go. Yeah. Thunderbolt. Right. That was the original title 
and it got switched yeah. to death proof. But it's kind of a joke because a lot of Grindhouse films would be released under a name. They would get killed in the critics, and they'd quickly rename themselves. Now, what was our, one of our favorite ones is the one that goes, uh, what was it, like, the, the one about the asset, like, baby, baby, bring me down. Oh, by the way, Mary um, Louise, and then Zoe. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyway. Angel, angel, down we go. Yeah. Cult of the Damned. Okay, yeah. Cult of the Damned after Manson kind of kicked. Yeah. So here is a photo of feet and human feet, lady feet. So we've seen three sets of feet so far. And right. this movie can't wait to smoke pot. So God bless. Pot will be all so over. I submit... Yeah, and this is Sally Mankey's last film, I think. She she died. She was a um, Tarantino's editor for the first couple of films, and she really made Kill Bill like oh. you know bearable because she had a real pacing. She fell asleep in her car. Uh, she would used to walk up in the hills and. She fell asleep in her car and got heat is up and died of heat or something something really tragic like that. Okay. I, it was kind of sad because I just think she's good. So you'll notice his other films like Glorious Bastards. That's the first without her as an editor. Oh look at this! Uh, the, even the fucking silver, the four sets of feet, right? The other poster has feet on it. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a Tarantino film, and that means feet. And who we're seeing up in the part? Okay, that is Cheryl Ladd's daughter right there. The daughter of Cheryl oh, Ladd. No Look who's got a pee. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Hard oh, wait, is she wearing flip-flops? So Did you see ah, it? Ah, I figured it'd be. Yeah. Hey, look, that's uh, six pairs of feet we've seen, if we include two movie posters. This is Poster. Austin, Texas. Oh, well, it told you itself. Okay, that's the daughter of Sidney Poitier, and that's the daughter of Cheryl Ladd. Sydney Poitier's daughter is named Sydney Poitier, right? Sydney, Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Okay, all right. Did you do that to your poor children? <laughs> They're all like variations of Carl. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. My 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 wife would not permit that. I did want to name my kid Carl. Carl Junior. I Carl Junior. Luckily, I didn't. Luckily, she <laughs> had good sense. Yeah. Yeah, because we're jack-in-the-box people here. Uh, so here we go. We kick it off, and now this is fantastic. This is what women sound like, is my complaint. This movie, uh, I saw it in the theater, Carl. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. You didn't, and uh, she, she's drinking something called the Kunda Brothers, and that is a reference to the original theatrical release. Uh -huh. This, of course, was a notorious release called Grindhouse, yeah. where Clint Tarantino and director Robert Regas has two full-length movies back-to-back, -back, like as right. if it was a 1970-something feature at a grindhouse. And in between the movies, they had an ad for Acuna Brothers uh, food and taqueria. And that's and then the, this movie kicks off, and they're eating – they're using the props. They're drinking yeah. from the drink uh, right there. Boys, I guess, Acuna Boys. And so you can go to YouTube. Uh, talk about red apple cigarettes. There's lots of Tarantino yeah, stuff in here. Yeah, but their reference, they make a lot of references to, to the first movie and to the trailers. So the fact that they had an advertisement for this food, and then you watch this beginning of the second movie, and there they are eating the food is kind of cool. Yeah. And fucking billboard. There's so many billboards in this goddamn. Oh, feet. Seven feet. Seven <laughs> shots of feet. I'm doing a feet count. No, but the thing is, Sydney is on the billboard. 
And that's the big deal. Every time they pass the billboard, they're cheering because she's right. Her name is. So she's a radio DJ named uh, Jungle Julia. Is that racist? Um, Yes, I guess. Yes, it is. If you call an African-American anything with jungle, that is calling back to an ignorant time in which Africans were from Africa, you know. So, yeah, that's racist. Okay, yeah, I just just want to agree. But that's her character's name, and these billboards say it. There's a lot of billboards in this movie, especially in the extended cut. They had a uh, a movie poster, a billboard called Potheads, which, you know, what's the rush? We still have an hour before we get to that scene. (laughs) We'll see Potheads. We'll see that in this film. Yeah. The theatrical release for both of them uh, had edits in it. Like, you can see the scratchy film right now. Like, you know, it's it's paying homage to going to the theater. And, in fact, when I saw this in the Metreon, it started off with Robert Rodriguez's film Project Terror. And it was scratchy and it was cut. And I heard a baby crying. And I thought, this is like a real, true grindhouse experience. Why is a woman brought a baby, a real baby, to the theater? So there was an actual baby there. Well, heads were getting exploded. That baby cried throughout the film. Um, now, when I this film was on purpose damaged, like the scratches were not like computer generated scratches. They were actual, you know, Quentin Tarantino oh. or whomever took a paper clip and scratched. See, Grindhouse wow. would go from theater to theater to theater to theater, literally tour the country. And they would get in pretty beat up shape. And that's what he was trying to do. They make a lot of acknowledgments. Like one of the things is that if some woman takes her top off, the projectionist will cut that scene out. And they do some jokes like that. And I think in the first movie where a woman takes her clothes off and the scene gets cut or like it's super faded, you know, because, uh, but yeah, like if you were a projectionist who liked to relieve himself at home, you could cut those scenes out and make your own projector reel, <laughs> like a sizzle reel. <laughs> Never even thought so that. This, <laughs> so this movie is like a dream for me because it's if you've seen the movie, which chances are you have, it's basically the same story told twice, and that to me feels like a dream. Especially like how the first story, the first one, never ends, you know, yeah, and then ends in the way it does. The the Grindhouse movie will show you a trailer, a fake trailer to a fake movie that will never come out, and you go, well. How is this grounded? I mean, talk about a dream. You're seeing a trailer to a movie that doesn't exist. Right. As a, you know, so, but also uh, the first fake trailer was for Machete, and uh, he actually, Robert Rodriguez actually made the movie and made a sequel, and they promised the third one, Machete Kills Again in Space. So, uh, so yeah, it's one, one of the trailers. So it's going to be a trailer, and then he decided, you know what, I'm making it? Yeah. And then at the end, he teases a sequel and then a third movie. And the second movie sets it up, another kind of dreamlike film, because it just goes and then it ends with him going off in space, fighting Mel Gibson wearing a mask. Oh, there's another trailer. Oh, woo! Yeah, just the cut. Okay, there's Kurt Russell following behind them. Now, I don't know enough about cars to let you know which one it is, but his cars are a, a 70 Nova, Chevy Nova, and a 69 uh, Challenger. Uh. Now, we keep seeing her. Uh, by the way, she's straight out of Brooklyn, and you can tell from her accent. Her name is Vanessa Ferlito, 
and we would know her from CSI New York, the television show. Like currently, like in the last uh, eight years? No, it was 2004. You know, there's all these CSI shows, and I guess that was her claim to fame. She's done this movie, a bunch of 2007 movies, and then that CSI series. Now, what's interesting to me is her first son was born September 21, 2007, so she is not a mother as we're watching her here. She's about to get pregnant by her husband. And we know wow, it, she this... doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I never, you know what? This is a fresh take on this Quentin Tarantino classic. Now I know I can review this movie knowing uh, that. It changes the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, because he's boozing. We, now, they're giving a really long, boring you know, setup. No. Now, first off, this is Austin, Texas, where, and we saw that movie house, the, the play, whatever it's called, you know, the Alamo Playhouse or whatever right. it's called, Draft House. And, of course, Tarantino during the 90s and the aughts would show movies there. And he – so near the that movie theater in this film is a bar where Tarantino's the bartender. And look at the fucking design. It's all Italian movie posters. Yep. And there's not real something life. like that with a magazine rack too. It's like all Quentin Tarantino oh. kind of things. Now, I want you to know that That's... DJ uh, Jungle Julia here is telling that – she described um, Vanessa, her name's Arlene in the film. She described right. Vanessa to her audience and said, if somebody comes up to her and says this poem, then she has to give him a lap dance. The first guy to do it, she has to give him a lap dance. So that's what we're learning. So her friend, and she's pretending to be a guy. So this is the first time one of these women speaks like a guy. In a she screen. is I'm pretending joking. to be a guy. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy writing a screenplay about a woman pretending to be a guy who sounds like a guy pretending to be a guy now I saw um, him on Conan doing an interview about this movie and Tarantino was bragging about how well he does uh, female dialogue because he hangs out with the guys he's talking guys but sometimes he hangs out with like three or four girls and if it goes on for hours they kind of forget that he's there you know but I got to tell you, I'm listening to this dialogue and there's lots of sex and motherfucker and shut up. And I don't know. It just sort of seems like it's is through a male perspective, you know, and um, yeah. But that's I mean, that's part of the fun, I guess, because it's a play on these 70s exploitation films, which were completely like that. Yeah. And don't forget, this is. Yeah, and also it's such an indulgence, and they were able to get it done because the Weinstein Company produced it. So, you know, I don't hear him ever – you know, he'll say things about Harvey Weinstein, but Harvey Weinstein allowed him to do this, you know. Well, you know, so, Harvey know. Weinstein was a part of Hollywood, and he – okay, the thing is he was inappropriate. He was akin to a rapist, and he's getting what he deserves and everything, but the thing is – Regardless of, I mean, he was Hollywood. He was how you got it done. Nobody was thinking that, uh, I don't know what to, what I'm saying. I'm saying like you see a Woody this? Allen film and you know what he did with Sun Lee and you're like, blech. But if you see a Harvey Weinstein film, you're really just seeing Hollywood. Like it isn't like reject it because it's him. 
Yeah, well, so part of it is that the lure, the, the big beacon for him is that he has these A-list movies, these classic films from people like Quentin Tarantino. So I feel like Tarantino has always been a bait, like he's, you know, you say, well, hey, what do you say about him? But he makes these great movies like Tarantino. And so he needed Tarantino to kind of hide behind him, you know, and the same with the other uh, big stars he had, you know. This film, like, uh, I don't know, there's Rose McGowan in this movie, and she is a callback from the first film because she's yeah. the star. Oh, and she's great in, in Planet Terror. Uh, and then she shows up here as the victim. So she goes from hero. Like, if you do watch the original. No, but she's, she's the first victim. Like, she kind of kicks it off. And then, but you had just watched a 90 minute movie where she's shooting people with a machine gun attached to her, her, to her like, leg. You know, like, of all weirdness. Yeah. Well, it's You know, that's another thing that I, I had a beef with this movie, and I liked what Taren, uh, Rodriguez did was that they're making fun of, they're, they're calling back to this early 70s. And, and these gruesome movies they would show. And part of the reason why Times Square was showing these movies is kind of a reaction to the Vietnam War, right? I don't know if you ever feel that way, but, like, the grimy 70s movies is kind of a reaction to people fighting and all that shit. Well, and it was the when time. this came out... Well, this movie came out in 07, so there was war still going on. It was the Afghanistan War, the Iraq War. And I was when I see the trailer and I see someone with an amputee who immediately puts a machine gun on and is able to pirouette and shoot people, I go, don't you at least acknowledge what's happening right now, you know, of more yeah. leg shots? And Rodriguez in the beginning brings up the Iraq War. So it is part of, of the uh, – the funk, you know, so he does acknowledge war in it, and I, right. I thought, like, that at least grounds what the horror is reflecting. That makes sense. Sorry, man, I have a lot to say about this film. Okay, see this jukebox behind her? That yeah. is Quentin Tarantino's uh -huh. personal jukebox. It's named Ace, believe it or not. Oh, man, cool. Unplug it. So, does it have a test screen? <laughs> no, it's an old-timey one, and all of the records in there are his, and all of the labels are his handwriting. It's really all – it's Quentin Tarrant. The, the, the credits say special thanks to the jukebox uh, Amy, and it's the same one was in the opening scene of Natural Born Killers in a diner. Oh, very cool. I, I remember that. She dances to uh, Elf How Summer, sexy am right? I now? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is his bar. He's even the bartender here. Yeah. And he's got a couple of his buddies. Uh, Missy Eli Roth. Okay. So I love – this is one of my favorite things in uh, uh, Weinstein. She's texting a producer, right? Like her uh, boyfriend's going to come, but he never well, does. his name is Christopher, and she invites him out, and she's like, I miss you, and I love you, or whatever she's texting. And she's a hard person. She's a bitch, shut up, bitch. You know, she's a hard ass. And th her texts are very soft. And then when he doesn't come, she gets mad and texts that he's an asshole. Right. This is what I mean, like by like a dream, dream logic to this film. Like, doesn't that feel like a dream you would have, where you just you have this important call while you're out with your friends, and it just goes from call to text to you getting mauled by a car? Here's Eli Roth. <laughs> there is stuff in films in which it's like, oh, I've got to do that thing, and you're off to do it, and you never get there because you're yeah. distracted. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now that's so she does uh, type. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, so I'll, I'll say when she when she types it. She's gonna text to me you. too. Hurry. That's that old school texting. We have to press a number three times to get the letter R. Now, in 2007, smartphones were just coming. The iPhone 1 was coming. It wasn't even out. So this isn't really so retro. It's kind of Hollywood anyway. Potentially, you know, like you never have phones that would have this kind of screen. Send me. Send. No, that's legit. I remember those, that interface and... That's like a movie with a typewriter where they type faster than the sounds faster than they're typing. I don't know. I don't buy it. So, well, also, do you remember it was like um, number one was ABC and number two was you can see when she texts that it it does scroll through the letters and she chooses her letter. I should mention that she t- uh, texted the word "me too" in a Harvey uh, in the Weinstein Company movie. <laughs> <laughs> what I was to, if I could say anything about this two-hour movie, these are real-life okay. uh, roller derby girls who are part of the Austin scene. Isn't everyone part of the Austin scene? A roller, roller derby girl. Uh, there it is, Weasley guy. Roller I'm from Hollywood. Yeah, I got my rules in my bar. Yeah, there we go. Should we, should we listen to him? Oh, go ahead. All we're hearing is drinking. Right. <laughs> He's quoting his own movie. Oh, he loves from himself. He's his own world. It's it's like uh, yeah. So he has these crazy rules. <laughs> yeah, he loves himself. He this yes. is his own bar. It's his own, he's made his own universe. He has the power to do so and has done so. And he just eats himself. Even, you told me he was retired and we were seeing his last movie. And I was like, (laughs) no way. And then he was, uh, he's doing some TV thing. Yeah, well, like he he said, I'm going to make ten movies, and I think that's what a director should do. Speaking of a director, here's Eli Roth acting. He's a better actor than Tarantino. So he says, I'm going to make ten films and retire. I don't want to be like I don't know, like in Billy Wilder, make keep making old movies. Uh, and Hateful Eight is officially the eighth movie, and uh, Once Upon a Time is the ninth movie. So technically, right. the next film will be his last. Oh, there is one more. Mean- yeah, one more is coming. Don't worry, he'll do something on that. I think he should make 10 films, and then he should completely do a departure. A total, like, reinvent himself with a different genre, a different entire, like, filmmaking style and methodology. Reinvent himself. Then he could still be creative. Yeah, like make a romance. She's noticing the car matter. that she saw, fo- like, watching them before. I oh, love yeah. her accent. Why don't you put it on for a second? Okay.
Like to the rest of the world, she sounds real Brooklyn, but to me, she just sort of sounds like a local girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is Jersey, you know, you yeah. guys and. Well, it plus the hair and this the shirt with the the vintage shirt, I guess. He's talking her into going to make out in the car. Yeah, which is funny because this is like the way that these movies go, and you know, you know, so charming guy. Did you know that this know. Jungle Julia? Apparently, there were three films in which there was the appearance of Jungle Julia, and the. The first time was when you and I saw my best friend's birthday. Right. Oh, he was a jungle Julia, right? She was a DJ. Well, he gets a phone call and like, I don't do requests. And the the person is like, um, it wasn't Jungle Julia though, it was uh where is it? Uh Unruly Julie is what the DJ's name Unruly was. Julie. And he was like, well, we really do oh, whatever she wants in her show. If you want to hear more about Quentin first yet unfinished movie, uh, you could, we, we did it in front of a live audience. We, we ripped that one. So uh, check out one of our earlier films. Uh, check out Let's Watch Full Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. Uh, once I update it to this year, man, it's going to be good. <laughs> I think I did it on I better check that before I open oh, you, my mouth. Yeah. Well, you know what? Go to our YouTube channel. It's a good excuse anyway, as any, and see if uh, it's posted. I think it was. I think both the hours were were accounted for. Yeah. For that live show. Take a look. Okay, yeah. yeah. It only like? had 31, 38 views. It was one month ago. Quentin Tarantino's ah. best friend's birthday. 37 yeah. views. Okay. How many views are for uh, they're playing with fire with oh, uh, a screen right. grab? And a uh, they're playing with fire. Um, let me check it out. I'll go to videos. I'm just going to say, like, Eli Ross, the director who acts in his film, and I think he acts, he's a little better actor than Quentin Tarantino. He shows up in Inglorious uh, Bastards as the Bear oh. Jew. Uh, 6.7 thousand, Mike. Oh my God! Just because of that screen grab, mm -hmm. she's in this very alluring uh, bathing suit. But not really. But not really. You you don't even see her bust. Um, huh? Most of these are make sense because it's all about sex, but some of them are inexplicable. Yeah. And we just saw. Uh, well, we've seen. Well, there's. Oh man! So, what do you think about Kurt? Do you think Kurt, how much face uh, plastic surgery do you think Kurt Russell has? None. Did he have plastic surgery? I don't know, but look at—I mean, he's a freak. He's got this giant forehead, like uh, forehead Maybe has, he has that work done. But I just—I just think he looks older. Um, yeah. So Quentin Tarantino, you know, I—I I read interviews, I watched interviews about this film, and like. He likes Snake Plissken, you know? He likes badass. Um, uh, you know, he, how can I put this? Like, he would go and watch... Uh, let's see. I've got some written down here. Well, well he, I'll uh, back to it, he but he missed the badass. Yeah. What's that? 
Well, I mean, if you have Disney Plus, he's uh, the adorable secret computer that works tennis shoes. But he was in a bunch of John Carpenter films, you know, Snake Plissken and uh, uh, The Thing, where he was just badass, you know, throughout the 80s. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, I got dizzy just thinking about that. And, you know, if you ever see, uh, uh, shit, the his, his Hateful Eight, as I mentioned, uh, Kurt Russell re returns, and yes. uh, there's a lot of John Carpenter, like, plot twists, and they used a lot of music from uh, Sergio, uh, Sergio, not Sergio Leone. Uh, they used a lot of uh, uh, movie uh, soundtrack from previous John Carpenter movies. So he loves John Carpenter. Yeah. So he hey, that's the woman from the first movie. When I saw this film, people were walking out. Like, I saw the theatrical release, really? like, by hour two and a half, people were done. You know, they just well, got up and left. Very little slasher stuff compared to the talking. You basically are a, a fly on the wall for girls' conversations throughout a m much of it. Yeah. Here it is. Uh, Quentin Tarantino says, I would open the newspaper and see an ad that says Kurt Russell and Dreamer or Kurt Russell and Miracle. And I'm not disparaging this movies, but I'm thinking, when is Kurt Russell going to be a badass again? Oh, right. Well, he's not a badass in this movie. He's a badass in the first half of the movie, and then he's a fucking cartoon character for the second half. Uh, now, look, he was not the first choice. He wasn't the first choice. This list is crazy. I kept telling, well, I kept telling Quinn, I don't want the role. And he kept calling me. And then I had talked to Samuel Jackson. And they're calling on behalf of a friend. I said, is it Quinn? Because Jackson was like, I can't say. It just was like a nightmare, you know? You wouldn't. You know what it's like to get called from Tim Roth? Hey, Tim Roth, why are you calling me? Oh, no reason. Hey, what you doing? You should do Quinn's new film. Like, I know, you know. He puts you up to it. Okay, so Tarantino attempted to cast John Travolta, William Defoe, John Malkovich, Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke, Mike Spiegelman, Bruce Willis, and Sylvester Stallone. Wow, Sylvester Stallone turned down Tarantino? They were all unavailable due to prior commitments, and he settled for Kurt Russell. Well, I mean, Kurt Russell's his Carmuse. He's a narrator in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. as well as has a, a role in it. I, w I could definitely see some of these names. I could definitely see John Malkovich being a creep. I could uh, let's see... show you Malkovich impression. C couldn't you see, um, like, Mickey Rourke would have been really creepy in this. Yeah. I'm surprised he turned it down. Maybe his his cute little dog passed away at that point. He wasn't. Now I gotta tell you, like <laughs> the the theatrical release, they intentionally cut out scenes, and then when the the movies were released separately as as uh, Weinstein <laughs> Company DVDs with full length movie with additional material added. So the lap dance and the whole fucking Italian Vogue scenes are not in the theatrical release. Like I. Oh. I went to Best Buy. Full disclosure, I lived next door to Best Buy at the time, and I would go on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and I bought Planet Horror uh, uh, or whatever the one is, Terror. I still have it. And I bought uh, this one. 
the day of and I see, you know, watch those movies and with the added scenes, I'm like, this is such a depressing lap dance. What the f- I mean, the Vogue shit, what's going on? Yeah. There's the star of our first film, Rose McGowan. Yeah. She was a powerful hero in the first film. Let's see what happens in the Tarantino version. Now, there's the drug dealer. He's the popular? Finally. So, this one's saying that my boyfriend stiffed me. Can you give me a ride home? And she's like, being creepy charmed by by uh Kurt Russell. It's 30, creepy. Yeah. But she's she's feigning being charmed cuz she needs a ride. Yeah. And the age difference is insane. Mm-hmm. You know? Like uh I wouldn't be able to talk to anybody. Well, sh- there's oh. no Oh gosh. I guess I'm wrong. I want to tell you there's nothing sexual here, but that can't be if she's so sexy. But I mean, later they he even it says she even says to the girls, you know, there's no way I'm sleeping with him. I think you're right. Yeah. I think there's some sex, uh, some implied sex here. Yeah, and also I just think the age difference. Like, I mean, it would be I don't know. Maybe you could be a sophisticated gentleman and who could talk to ladies of all ages. You know, like oh that guy was a gentleman, but but this guy's kind of creepy though. Yeah. And there we go. And she brings up the age difference when she says to the girls, I'm not sleeping with him. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. 12? I don't know. 14 pairs? I'd lost count. Of of feet? (laughs) Yeah. None of these these, this car stuff is um, CGI. Uh, Tarantino in one of the interviews says, um, CGI for car stunts doesn't make sense to me. How's that supposed to be impressive? I don't think there's any good chase since I started making films in 92. For me, the last terrific car chase was Terminator 2 and Final Destination 2. Final Destination 2, I haven't seen that one. Oh, Final Destination Uh, is a horrible film. Um, one, I don't see two. What's that? I saw the fun. There was one in 3D, and uh, they all go to a movie house that has 3D, and uh, it's real, like, uh, 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 they get attacked by real mechanism. It isn't just the effects. They're like, look out, here comes these spikes. It's like real spikes. <laughs> and you watch it, too. So, you know, so this movie is so long. We're half hour into it, and you're like, you got your drinks. And then the popular comes, and they got to go smoke a ball, and it's like a fetishized pipe, no less, you know. Yeah, out you know, here. He this says this is akin to a slasher film, but we don't see anything until forty-five minutes into the movie. That's when we see our first death. Well, I guess it's implied that these are the cheap movies that would drag it out, you know, drag out these things, and kind of ostentatiously build up tension, but also to just kill time and not spend money on actual slasher shit. Right now, Mike is giving his credits as a stuntman, and nobody's ever heard of these shows. He has this weird thing where he always has some women who look like they're from the 90s. Like these three women with the glasses, uh-huh. and also if you're see, like, don't they look like they should be at a 90s uh, coffee house? Just I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, this is like, let's go to Borders and uh, read books for free. Sounds great. You know, we could go to the magazine stand and read all the magazines for free. Whoa. Can you imagine that? They don't care. Nope. This is like, he loves Austin. He's not in, he doesn't live in Austin, but he has a bar and he has friends. He's all, so if you ever see like Kill Bill, when they have the second one where they're at the bridal rehearsal, all the women look like they're from the 90s. I guess it's I have to see Kill Bill that. again. Listen, I did not enjoy Kill Bill at all. I just I'm not a fan of these cartoon violence and I mean I did I don't know maybe I enjoyed it. But what if it was a story about a man who gets a dog after his wife dies and he's driving around New Jersey? He just did a bunch of donuts in a in a uh, airplane hangar. Yeah. And he's at a gas station. And these Russian mob guys are like, we like your car. And the guy's like, okay. It's not for sale. back in Russian. Not for sale. And the guy says, everything's for sale, bitch. And he goes, not this bitch. Anyway, so the guy drives home with his dog, and he lives in New Jersey like we do. And the Russian guys come, and they beat the shit out of him and kill the dog. And once that the guy is actually uh, an assassin, former assassin. Did I miss anything? Uh, listen, I hate John Wick films. As a matter of fact, my son said, you got to see it, Dad. So I got John Wick 1, and I didn't watch the whole yeah. thing. I quit. And and John uh, Wick is wrong. You know, well, I mean, like, I, I agree with you that I do love those movies. And since I've been uh, sheltering in place, I have a lot of my library copies of the trilogy. So I've been watching them a lot more than I should. And they all have a very, like, it's like more stuntman-y movie. You know, it's like a comic book movie. And even in the commentary, they say this is a graphic novel kind of feel to it. So it's always about, like, All right, I don't know. Let the, me say the, my piece here about John Wick, and I might have already told you this before. John Wick's beef was not with the Russian mob. John Wick's beef was with this individual person who killed this dog. That's what I want to say. Yeah, the son. Yeah, he was way wrong to take on the mob. They had nothing to do with it. And the the mob boss who was on the phone with him in the beginning was saying, John, be reasonable. And John Wick wasn't. He was wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> so he kills the son, but then he spends like the last 20 minutes destroying the, his dad's empire, right? Like yeah, in the last half 40 minutes. Yeah, they could have in the movie, like, you know, the guy who killed your dog is dead. Yeah. You know, this is the first film since Pulp Fiction he did in all those years that didn't win awards. Oh, yeah. Well, this is kind of considered, like, this and the, I guess uh, Hateful Eight people will say, ah, oh, that's not my favorite Tarantino. But those are the ones I like. I mean, I like this film and the fact that it's really weird, you know. Tarantino says of his collection of films, not that this is a bad film, he would never say something like that, but he says of his collection of films, this one is the worst one. Really? Didn't he see Once Upon a Time? Maybe because he didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. (laughs) That one wasn't so bad. Okay, Tarantino said Death Proof has got to be the worst movie I ever did. It's important to note that he was saying the worst movie I make, not saying that it was a bad movie, but that's the worst in his uh, biography. His opinion. This is what I mean. This movie is bad enough that we're doing a whole show about it. It's a bad movie. I mean, no, no bones about it. It's it's poorly done, and 
Well, you know, it's interesting because it, it's it, yeah. Okay, the fact that it really, really, literally looks like a '70s film is great, right? I mean, he got that right with the bleached out color and the scratchiness and the fact that there's no CGI in the car crashes. Right now, uh, Kurt Russell is calling her out on, he said the poem he's supposed to say for the lap dance, by the way. Right. I see London. I see Michael. <laughs> I see Michael's <laughs> underpants. Woohoo! Here comes your lap dance, Robert Frost. It is Robert Frost, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. being reading that poem, and it said, um, uh, "Well, the girls in France, well, they don't wear any pants, <laughs> but they do wear grass to cover up their ass." Robert Frost. Robert Frost. <laughs> Your lap dance will be well, fire. Some say ice. I actually, I learned this poem in, in uh, college, and the, the textbook that I had had an asterisk at the end, and it says, this poem will get you a free lap dance at Austin, Texas. <laughs> now, Another thing Tarantino ripped there was a call, Big Trouble in Little China in 1986. There's a white tank top from it hung up on the bar, but I can, and it's right to the right of the uh, Amy jukebox, but I can never find it. That's another John Carpenter, Kurt Russell movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his obsession for about Kurt, I mean, he's, Kurt's a good actor in all in the three movies he's been with them, but it's like, it's that John Carpenter. Uh, Kurt Russell is a creep in this movie, but he's doing his role. He's doing exactly what was he was cast yeah. to do. Well, he does exactly what the director wants him to do. He's oh, like, I want you to behave this way, and then I want you to behave that way. So this scene was not in the theatrical release. It was added to the DVD and the, the other releases. Well, it it's 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 rated the third most. Uh, the most sexiest lap dance in a horror film by some magazine. The internet thought that was important to tell me. Now, number two, ready? Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Look at the jukebox. There's a, a yeah, board, and to the right of that is the tank top from Big Trouble in Little China. Ah, perfect. Let's listen to the music. Why you gotta be so rude? I'm gonna bury that girl. <laughs> bury her anyway. Bury her anyway. In my backyard. Mike, you know, I do, I mean, not currently, it's uh, COVID, but I do that on stage, that song. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm I saw, I know, it's great. Really, that's a sexy lap band song too. So it is nice and pleasurable. Actually, let's listen to the song as you. Okay. I got a pocket full of quarters and I'm headed to the arcade. Pac-Man fever. Pac-Man fever. Oh, look yeah. at that. Yeah. This is not in the theater theatrical release. <laughs> and it's just kind of deadening. It's just kind of like the way it's shot. It's just like deadening. There's those '90s chicks. That 90 chicks. He's like, uh, there's my cappuccino. There's an Austin 10 minutes. She's like an actress because she's like pretending, I'm not jealous. 
Shelly. So what, what's the t-shirt she's wearing? Is that the Bay Bridge? Is it the Golden Gate Bridge? I Something interesting? don't know, but she's a Brooklyn person. I don't know that that would be her. Is it the Bay Bridge? Is he a Brooklyn person because of the way she left him? That's no, more of an East no. Coast black man. That's a female person. Ooh. It's like, oh, I guess there are people watching the last dance. Show we'll us the it. t-shirt, Quentin. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I forgot when we go to shirt clothes, we always look at, watch TV or look at the stuff on the wall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on the music. Okay. That's all right. You keep promising. Yeah. We built this city. <laughs> we built this city. I just don't find that structurally sound. Now so we're going to get they the, the city? Do, I'm not going to sleep with him stuff. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Well, this is Austin. It's not Hollywood. There you go. Go ahead. Are you listening? I'm listening. Oh, I, it froze up on me. Damn it. I got I got buffering, Carl. All right. So am I pausing? Yeah. Oh, this reminds me of the time I went to see Jackie Brown. I was on uh, Van Ness at the movie house. Mike. Mike. It's, are you? Mike. It's still buffering. Okay. Yeah. I'm at 42.39, so... Count me up. Okay, I'm at 42. All right. 46, 36, 37, 38, 39. All right. Now let's listen. All right. Well, it's too late. Well, anyway, it's right. too late. They accused her of going to sleep with him, and then she was making all these reasons why she's not, including his age. So she's a good girl. Right. He's the guy from Disney's Miracle. You don't want to fuck him. Right. That, uh, I, don't know, I never saw Convoy, but one of the trucks has a, a little uh, thing on the hood like that. The duck. So Tarantino yeah. was one time drinking in a hotel with Sean Penn. And Tarantino oh, yeah. that he wants to buy a Volvo because he doesn't want to die in some auto accident like the one in Pulp Fiction. And Sean Penn said, you could give any car to a stunt team and for 10 grand, for 15 grand, they can death proof it for you. And that was the first time it started going around and round in Tarantino's head, death proof. He ripped it off of Sean Penn. Yeah, I was all ready to make a movie called Death Proof and start with Jack Nicholson and something terrible happens in four hours. Oh, boy. Now, so this is where the movie gets creepy, right? This is where right. finally an hour into the movie. This is Stuntman's Mike Stunt Car. So, you know, this car can withstand a crash. Uh... You know, this is the kind of car, like a NASCAR or something, it's built that if there's a crash, the driver won't die. He might get hurt, but he's not going to die. And so he's talking her into how safe she'll be 
because he won't be touching her knee trying to get fresh because she's in this little cage. But he doesn't say that it's not the passenger seat that's going to, you know, him will mention later. Yeah, because it's interesting. Like, that's another thing. Like, this is Austin, Texas. Like, just any city USA say there's going to be a guy like this with a car like this. It's just, you know, I mean, I guess that's the creepiness of it, but. And why isn't he in Hollywood if he's a former stuntman? Right. He's done all these 80s movies. They still have this car. Oh, here's the big, ah, I was hoping you would say take a left turn. Right. If you take a left, we could go over to Nathan's Hot Dog, which is on the left side. But now we got to go over to Carl's Jr. And I hate that second kid of Carl's. Don't get me started. (laughs) Now you have to get immediately. Yeah, and then now it's like a seventies movie. Finally, something happens, and it's, and it's the hero of the first movie getting killed. The woman in the first movie. She was the hero. Not that's Rose that's... McGowan. Isn't that Rose McGowan? Well, and uh, and uh. It is, and I got it wrong. Ow. Ow. Let me let me check. Hey, hey hey Google. Does Rose McGowan die in Death Proof? Huh, all right. Damn fucking mini radio studio <laughs> voice assistant. What shit? No, oh, yeah. He's Here really, we go. Like dizzy, bomb, you know, beat up. <laughs> and now she starts to plead, like, if you let me go, I won't tell anybody because this is just your funny joke, right? The audience is saying the same thing. Like, listen, you know, can you let us go? Yeah. This is just your funny thing. Yeah. So you said some people are walking out. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there was some true heart. So part of it is that there was two movies in a row, and it came out on Easter weekend. And uh, so people were just kind of done. But not this scene, but when they cut to the second set of women and they start talking at a diner, people were just leaving. People were done. Wow. And then that was that was a scene where about two thirds of the audience just left. It was empty by that point. And that yeah, just killed the, the headliner. Had to follow that. Can you believe it? I was like, what happened? Why'd you put that guy before me? <laughs> Boom! Ow! Ow! It's so terrible. Now I think that Quentin missed the the missed something here. I think what should have happened is that Rose McGowan dies in the crash itself. But maybe he wanted um, to do, you know, a you know, a double whammy. Right. Yeah, well, you, you show how sinister a guy named Stuntman Mike. And then he has these stupid photos. He gets rid of these photos, so it's like no evidence that he knew about right. those girls. He just threw him there by the crash, the upcoming crash. Crash. Oh, I don't know who she is. It's kind of blurry. Oh, look at the feet. Yeah, this is kind of gratuitous too. So then we have like 17 and a half pairs of feet in this so far because there's only one bare foot being shown. They're fucking stoned and drunk. Yeah. And someone's going on and on. About some 60s band of some celebrity. Hey, wait a minute. 
this song that they talk about, I think are the sons of like the Rat Pack. So it's interesting to say that the uh, Sybil Cheryl uh, Ladd's daughter and Cindy Poitier's uh, daughter are in this movie because they listen to a song of uh, celebrities' uh, children sing, sing their own song. Let me see if it's at that point. Now we're going to hear the Wilhelm scream when they crash. Oh, good old Wilhelm. Yeah. He said he should donate every, all, every royalty scream to charity. You know, he's making money off of agony. Like every time a song trooper gets shot by a laser beam. But here's the song. Yeah, like Ricky Dicky Tiki and Dicky. Oh, here, I'll, I'll play the music. Why you gotta be so cruel? Don't you know Don't I'm cute? Cheryl Ladd's That's daughter. Right. Her premiere was three years old on Charlie's Angels. Interesting. I left you a baby. Take care of it for the weekend. Right. What, Charlie? Yeah. Now, this is Austin, Texas, I guess, on on the outskirts. But he's real sinister now. Like, he has a real rubber face in this movie, especially at the end where he turns into, like, why he kills coyotes. But here he's, like, sinister, you know? Yeah. Where the audience is like, come on, show the shot. And it's such a, like, I don't know. He he hates women in this. Well, the villain. Right? He hates these women. They kill them. Well, I think it's something sexual, because that's what the cops think, and there is a scene that they take out here. I'll tell you after the crash. The crash is horrific, and it's awful. I know, and then he he fetishizes it, because he shows you different angles and shots, you know, and I guess it's supposed to be like the old school film. Over and over, he shows you the crash. Like an eighties film, something explodes three times, and there's different angles of the explosion in the end. But here, it's like it shows the complete crash in one angle, and then the complete crash in the second angle, and the complete crash in the third angle. Yeah. On light. Then I'm Boom. There goes the leg. There's the warm leatherette. Warm leatherette. Feel the driving steel yeah. of the steering wheel on Walmart. That's a way. There it is. It's a dream. She closes her eyes. And, Not really. Yeah. No, it's just a tire to her face. So the, the head's still there. I guess you're right. Now, the scene that they took okay. out here in which yeah. right now Kurt Russell begins to masturbate. Interesting and gross. And it got cut. Okay, so this is the character from the first movie. Now they're in the hospital where the zombies attack, which is, of course, prior to. And her dad is a character from, from Dust of Dawn. Uh-huh. She's actual. So uh, the late Michael Parks is in this movie. His son plays his son, and his daughter plays his daughter. So there they are, the whole family, the Parks family. And he put Earl McGuire or whatever Graw, whatever he's supposed to play, he is in the beginning of From Dust of Dawn, where he talks to the guy at the... Did you ever see that movie? There's a 